Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Glad to be in church today. Oh, that was terrible. If you're online, do better than that. You guys ready to be in church today? Let's go. Thanks for being here. It wasn't that terrible, but I just had to get you going. Listen, thanks so much for being here. Excited about uh, the message for today. Hey, before I get into the message, I just had a quick promo. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the uh, opportunity to go out and just do a little camping with some guys. Man, it was just good for my soul. Right? There's something about being outside with some guys, if you're a guy. There's something good about being outside with some guys, uh, talking about some real conversation about real things in life. And so what we're going to do is um, we got lots of property here. And one of the things we can do right now is we can, we can camp outside. And so on November the 20th, that's going to be a couple of Fridays from now, on November the 20th, we're going to have something we're calling man camp, right? It's just going to kind of be like, yeah, let's go. It's going to be just like really quick, something we're just going to kind of put together. It's going to be kind of um, just one of those things, not high programmed and we're going to camp right here on our property on November the 20th and so um, we want you to be there. Uh, we were able to just uh, have some conversation while we were at camp and we know that uh, everybody is dealing with certain things in life and guys have a certain set of special challenges um, and so we want to be able to step into those so the opportunity to be able to do that so we need you to sign up for that. There are limited spots as you can imagine everything feels limited these days and so um, we uh, want you to sign up for that so the way that you sign up for that get your phone out and if you want that it's going to be you're going to text man camp to 404-738-9911 right now okay 404-438-9911 and just text man camp you'll get a link there um, for you to get there and it's going to uh, the cost is going to be a thousand dollars um just kidding, now you really want to come now because it's free, okay? Um, so no, we're not going to charge, but listen, you don't want to miss out. It's going to be a great opportunity. And so today we're talking about Jesus over results. Jesus over results. What in the world, right? Like we all love results and this has been a week of results. We woke up Tuesday morning hoping by Tuesday night we'd have some results. We woke up Wednesday morning hoping by 2021 we'd have some results, we, uh, we are a results-driven culture, and so we know that we have what appears to be results from the election, and um, those are important, aren't they? But we're, we're, we're a results-driven culture. We're results-driven people. You know what we like? We like winning, don't we? We like the end game. As that great theologian Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last, right? We love results. We live for results. You know, when, when we get up every morning, we step on the scale, we're looking for some results, aren't we? You know, when we, when we watch our favorite sports team play, Clemson doesn't get points for going into double overtime, do they? Georgia doesn't get points for, well, for anything right now, but, right, we, we don't have any moral victories. We want results. We want to win. When our kids come home, we don't ask them what they learned. We ask them what their grades were because we love results. We are about results. Now, now here's the thing. More than the results of the election, more than the results of our favorite sports team, more than the results that the scale gives us in the mornings when we give up, ask yourself this question. What are the results of your life? Like what's the outflow of your life? Like what's happening with your life? What influence are you having? What impact are you having with this one and only life that you've been given? Like, what are the results of your life? You know, one of the things about Jesus is Jesus is about results. Like, Jesus is about results. S sometimes we miss this, right? Sometimes we miss this. H how many of you guys have ever heard of this thing called grace? Anybody? 
right? You've heard of this thing, man, don't you love you some grace? Come on, love, love some grace, want to live in the grace of God. It is beautiful. It is amazing. It's unexpected. It's almost incomprehensible, the grace of God, isn't it? Man, and the grace of God goes like this. The fact that, man, we had this life and we decided we were going to live it like we wanted to live it and we were going to live it apart from God and we were broken and we, lived, we had sin in our life and we weren't doing the things God wanted us to do and we were living apart from God. And God saw this and had compassion on us and did something about it, didn't he? God sent his son for us. Somebody say amen right there. Right, God sent his son Jesus for us to restore this gap, to bring us wholeness, to bring us healing. And because of this great sacrifice that God made in transforming our hearts, we should give him our entire lives. Like everything that we're about should go to him because that's how worthy he is. And because of that, sometimes we think, well, I didn't have to earn it. I can't be smart enough. I can't be good enough. I can't be rich enough to earn God's grace. And that is true. And sometimes that can lull us to sleep into thinking that I got my fire insurance policy. I'm going to get in to the pearly gates whenever the time comes. So now I'm just going to kind of do life on my own. I'm going to kind of forget about that. And what can happen is we get lulled to sleep and forget that God has expectations on us. Man, God has, he wants us to be producers and not just consumers. And, and when we go through times like we're going through where things are a little stressful and our routines are out of normal, we, we can forget that there's some results that God expects us to have in our lives. Like, like the thing about us, the thing about you, the thing about me is we all want to live, live lives that we know we, we lived it on purpose. We want to know we accomplished our purpose in life. We know that we had influence on people. We, we don't want to waste it. We want to be able to get up at the, end, at the beginning of the day and go to bed at the end of the day and just kind of live with this sense of satisfaction that we did what we were supposed to do. And when we do that, right, the, our results can lead to reward or the results of our life can lead to regret. Regret. Anybody, anybody regret some things they ever did before? Any, anybody regret some things they haven't done, some words they didn't say, some actions they didn't take, right? We, we live with more regrets of things that we didn't do than things that we've done. So how do we live a life that, with results that get us the reward that God promises us? So we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells, a parable, to kind of unpack what that looks like for us. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 14. Now, now, this is a parable. A parable is just a story with a point. That Jesus is going to make a point by telling a story to help illustrate some values of the kingdom of God, what it looks like to live with results pointed towards the kingdom of God. And so whenever you read a parable, there's a couple things you need to do. Number one, you need to find out who is God in the story. Like, who is he? And then you need to find out who you are in this story. And then you need to, need to determine what is it that I'm supposed to do based on what I just read. Okay? So let's read. We're going to read the first couple, few verses, and I'll teach down through it a little bit. So in verse 14, he says this, The kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants, and he entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. To another he gave one. To each he gave according to his ability. Then he went away. And he would receive the five talents when at once he traded with them and he made five talents more. So also the one who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And so you kind of get the overview of the story here. The first thing that we see is obviously in this story, God is the master. God is the master who owns everything. God is the master who's going on a trip. 
And then we see that he's got these things called talents he gives out. That's not your ability to balance a quarter on your nose. A talent literally is 20, is 20 years of wages. So think about it. So if you got five talents, you got 100 years of an average annual salary. If you got, you know, two talents, you got 20, you know, two times 20 is 40, 40 years of an average annual salary. Like you got a lot of money. Now, so that's the talents they got according to their ability. And so in the story, God's the master and we are either the five, the two or the one talent person, right? We're either the five, the two or the one talent person. So, so if you're watching online, what I want you to do right now is just drop which talent you are, five, two or one, five, two or one. You better put five in there because you are, right? And so they've got this money and we see that the guy who had five gets five back. We see that the, the guy who had two gets two back and the guy who had one got one back. And so we see in this that, that God is entrusting us with his investment, that technically we are God's investment in this world. Like right where you are, you are who God has put where you are to bring the results that he wants. Like I think for most people, we may can make this analogy, uh, this metaphor of the stock market. So we all know that, man, slow and steady wins the race. And if you, you know, if you start when you're 25, if you invest by the time you're like 32, you're a millionaire, something crazy like that. We understand the value of compounding. It's not quite that easy. But generally, we know that the stock market is going to give between 8 to 10%, depending on who you ask, over a long period of time. I always love reading stories about people who invested over a long period of time and end up with all this money and nobody knew it. You know, there's a guy named Richard Reed who was a janitor for years, for his entire life, invested, never made more than $40,000 a year. When he died, he gave away $5 million to his favorite charities. Why? Slow and steady. He just invested, he invested in the stock market, got a great return, and then he had some results that were able to impact other people. And God has put us here to have results. Like in, in the book of Genesis, we see... Um, when God creates Adam and Eve and he's, he's creating the world, he says this in Genesis chapter one, verse 28. He says, God said to them, said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so literally God put us here to take care of the, of the world. He put us to take care of each other, to have influence on each other. He, he put us here to take care of creation. God put us here. We are God's investment here. And God's expecting some results. Jesus says it over and over and over again. Jesus says things like, hey, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven. You ever heard that old saying that you can't, you never seen a U-Haul pulling behind a hearse? You ever heard that before? Right? You, 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 it's not pulling behind it. You can't take it with you, they say, but you can always send it on ahead, can't you? By investing. He says this, he says, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word too. Like there's some things, some outflow of our life that's supposed to happen. There are some things that God expects of us and we are God's investment in this world. Let me ask you a question. So if God pulls out the records today and he begins to look at um, the investment of your life and the results that you're getting and the returns that he's getting on his investment in you, like what are God's results from his investment with you? Like when you think about your life, like what are God's results of his investment with you? Think about your time for a minute. If we could just use that as a category, like the time that you have, like how are you investing your time in God's kingdom? How, how is God gonna evaluate the time he's given you? And it doesn't mean just that you need to, you know, sell everything and move to Africa and serve as a missionary, although some of you may need to do that. 
But it does mean that while you're at work every day, every minute that you've given at work, that's from God. So you have, your, you have your time. What about your finances? Like if you were to take an evaluation of your finances, man, what would God say about the results he's getting from how you're investing your finances? You know, one of the things I do in the political season when I'm voting is I look at the financial records of the people who have actually uh, disclosed them of the people that I'm voting for. And I'm not looking at how much they're worth. I don't care. You know what I'm looking at? How much they gave. Because that's going to tell me something about their character. And so what would God say about your generosity, your ability to help people whenever they need help? Man, our time, our treasure. And then, and then we do have talents. There, there are certain things that God has given us. There are certain abilities God has given us, certain skills that God has given us, certain opportunities that God has given us. Like, how am I taking those and leveraging those? Do I leverage them more for my comfort and my vacation? Or am I leveraging them for things that are going to last and be eternal? And then, of course, finally, I think one of the things that God looks is how do you, how are you investing? How, what are the results of the people that are in your life? So when you think about how you treat people with your family and your friends and people you don't know, like what does God's investment look like? What are the results that he's getting out of your life? And so we see with these three guys, one had five, one had two, one had one. And the five gained five more. Two gained two more and the one went and hid his in the ground. And then, and then we're going to see Jesus kind of unpack this in even, more, in even more detail. He starts in verse 19 and he says this, that he would receive the one talent, went and dug it in the ground, hid his master's money. That's 18, sorry. Let's go in verse 19. He says, now after the time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward and brought five talents more. And he said, master, you have given me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said, way to go. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. He called it a little, even though we know it was 20 years wages per talent times five. That's 100 years wages. He'd given him quite a small fortune. He says, I've given you a little. And he says this, I will set you over much. So his reward was he got much. He says, enter into the joy of your master. So we, what I love about this is when the, when the um, servant says this, I have gained I have made, that's, that's the term that we use for winning. That's the term that we use for winning. He says, I won. I won you. And I love the idea of winning, don't you? Like we love to win. And he says, I won. And he doesn't keep any of it for himself. He gives it all back to the master. He didn't win it for himself. He didn't win it so he could have bigger cars and bigger houses and bigger barns. He wins some things to give back to his master. And then we see it goes into the two-talent guy, um, in verse, starting in verse 22. The two-talent guy, he said, he who had the two talents came forward and he said, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I've made two more. In other words, I have won two more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Now, now here's what I love about this. One had five, one had two. One earned five more, one earned two more. But they both got much. They both got much. See, it's not just about the amount. What, what, what is the vehicle for the right way to invest? What is it that we're supposed to be about? Like, how can we know that, we're in, that God's investment in us is producing the right results? Man, I think that there's two things that this boils down to. Because he said this. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful servant. And one of the things that we know that God values is faithfulness, faithfulness. 
Now, there is a theology out there that would say, hey, listen, if you, you know, God wants you to be rich, God wants you to be healthy, God wants you to have big houses and big cars. That's not what this is talking about. It's about faithfulness. I mean, and faithfulness is just believing that God is good. Like, I think this is, the, this is clearly the key to this passage. And I think what God is trying to point, Jesus is trying to point out is like, what you see on the exterior, what you see outside, man, that, does, that is not the real results that he's looking for. The results that he's looking for is faithfulness. And faithfulness is just this believing that God is good. Man, it's the believing that God is good and God has good things planned for you. So we have faithfulness. And then I think there's focus. Faithfulness and focus. We believe that, you know, faith and focus are what fuels winning results. That's what fuels winning results. Because when you have this focus, you know, whenever you invest in retirement, there's a couple of questions they ask you. Number one, like how long do you have to invest? Like what's your, what's your timeline look like? And then how far does it need to go? So depending on when you started saving and started investing, what happens is, you know, you may have 20, 30, 40 years to invest, but then how, how far does it have to go after that? And we know that what we have is our daily lives. Like we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know how long we have to invest. We don't know how long we have um, for God to be able to produce the results that God wants. We don't know, but it is during this one and only life that we have and we're supposed to give it all. But we also, but we do know how long it's got to last. It's got to last throughout eternity. You know, as we just sang, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to see God's grace than when we first begun. Come on, right? I mean, we know it's got to last throughout eternity. And so Jesus is trying to point out there's this belief, this faithfulness that we have to grab onto. And we're, we're, only, we're, only, we're only judged and evaluated according to our ability. Like if I'm the two-talent guy, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I get to five? Like, if I got what he had, I could do what he did. Like I could do so much more if I just had more. If, and what happens is we begin to compare what we have with what other people have. Have you ever done that? Play the comparison game. This is what I have. This is what I don't have is generally how that goes. And what happens is when you begin to compare, you're guaranteed losing results. Man, when you begin to compare yourself with other people, you are guaranteed to lose. Man, you're, you're the you that the world needs right now. Like, so when we think of talents, I just want you to think about everything that makes you, you. And you're not responsible for what makes me, me. Praise the Lord, right? You're not responsible for what makes somebody else who they are. You're responsible for what makes you, you. And some of you have been through some very, very difficult times. Very hard times. You're like, why did I have to go through that? And rather than looking at why I had to go through that, like, what could be the results of that? Do you know the best person to help someone who's struggling with alcoholism, someone who's beat alcoholism. You know the best person to help someone repair and restore their marriage? Someone who's repaired and restored their marriage. You know the best person to help someone who's addicted? You know the best person to help someone who's navigated the complexities of cancer? Someone who's been through that. And maybe, just maybe, there's some opportunity that you have because you've been through some things. You've lived some life and you have opportunity to help other people simply because of what you have. Listen, we're only judged on what we have. We're not judged or evaluated on what somebody else has. This can, this can release a lot of pressure, right? This can release a lot of pressure. And I think one of the things that we have in our, in our culture is we have this God of potential that we worship. Like, what's my potential? What's my earning capacity? What, what's my potential to climb the corporate ladder? What's my, what is my potential? 
Man, and that is a very severe taskmaster when we're always trying to live up to our potential. Listen, you don't have to live up to your potential. You have to live up to God's purposes for your life. Man, so many people will say, man, how do I know God's will for my life? Like, what's, what's my purpose in life? It's really simple. Just do the next thing that's in front of you. So many times we don't even, we don't even take the step that's right in front of us because we're so busy worried about what's going to happen five years from now, ten years from now. We just need to take a small step just to fulfill God's purpose. Do you notice this? Those two servants, they didn't ask, what am I supposed to do with this money? They just already knew what to do. They just did what they knew to do, and then God will show you what to do. Do what you know you should do, and then God will show you exactly what you should do. Man, we have to be faithful with what God has given us. And then, and then we see that the one talent guy, like, don't you want to know about him? Like this guy that, that just buried it. Like, like what's his story? How's he going to get treated? It, it's not good, right? It's not good. In verse 24, we see uh, Jesus telling the story. He said, he who had received the one talent came forward and said, master, I know you to be a hard man reaping where you don't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground in the ground here you have what is yours like can you imagine telling somebody that I knew you were mean I knew you were stingy I knew you were harsh I knew you were terrible so here take it from me please like like, like how do we think that's going to go watch watch the master's response he says his master answered him you wicked and slothful servant you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Now notice there's a question mark there, like that's really important. So, so what he's saying, wait, wait, you knew this is who I was? Like you knew that I was mean? You knew that I was stingy? You knew that I was unfair? You, you, knew, that I, you knew all this, that I wasn't good, yet all you did was hide it? So that doesn't feel like that was a smart investment. He says, you should have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So, so has what, by the way? The one who has, he's gonna get more, more. What does he have? He has faith. That's who he's gonna give it to, people who have faith, people who have belief. Then he goes on to say, and he cast this worthless idiot into the, that's my translation, that wasn't in the Bible. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, this seems a little extreme to me, doesn't it? Like, I, I, I'm going to be cast out into the outer darkness just because I gave you back what was yours in the first place. This is the point. This servant didn't believe God was good. This servant didn't believe God was going to reward him. Had nothing to do with him burying his one talent. Had everything to do with his belief in who God was. And I think if we're not careful, what can happen is like we in the room, especially, even if you're watching online, because you watch online, you may or may not would say, you know what? I don't, I don't believe in a God who's angry. I don't believe in a God who's, uh, who takes. I don't believe in that kind of God who's more of a dictator. That may be the case. But I think more than that, for most of us, it's not this conscious decision to say, I believe God is mean. God is not good. God is stingy. God is greedy. I believe it's more of our unconscious actions and the way that we live our lives that we forget to live our lives in such a way that it proves what we believe about God being good, right? That, that we begin to live our life in such a way where we just take things into our own hands, where we take things into our own control. We begin to live life for us and we forget 
that we're actually God's investment in the world. Man, this poor slave, this poor servant, man, he didn't, he just thought that God was angry and frustrated and mad. And so that's how he lived his life. And he hid his talent in the ground. Now, now for, I wonder in the room, like how many of you do you think, how many of us do you think where we've got some things that we have and we're kind of holding on to? Man, there's some parts of our lives that we're not letting God have. There's some parts of our lives that we're not investing. There's some parts of our lives that aren't getting the results that probably God wants to have from us. And this usually happens in an unconscious way in our lives. Man, how would we live if we knew that God is the one rewarding us? And how would we live? You know, Jesus, I think he goes on to tell another story, but, but he doesn't tell a parable. He just gives an example of what it looks like at the end. And this particular passage is the passage I was reading when I gave my life to Christ. I mean, I was 25 years old and kind of trying to do things on my own, like many of you, just trying to climb the ladder, man, trying to work hard, trying to be a good person, trying to be moral. And I, I was reading my Bible one day and I read this passage and it rocked my world. And, and you can tell it's a little bit of a longer story, but basically um, the Gibbs version goes like this. Jesus is on his throne at the end of time and, and he's like a shepherd and he gathers the sheep and the goats to himself and to his right are the sheep and he says this to the people on his right he says you, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was hungry and you gave me food I was naked and you gave me clothes I was in prison and you came to visit me man I was I was sick and you took care of me and they're like, wait, when did we see you sick? And when did we see you hungry? And when did we visit you in prison? And when did we help you with clothes? Like, when did we do that to you? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And what Jesus does in that moment to, to just crystallize this parable that he's just told. He says, the results that I'm looking for are how you treat other people. Like how you invest in other people. Then he goes on to say, the goats were on his left. And he says, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. And you didn't give me anything to drink when I was thirsty. And you didn't visit me when I was in prison. And you didn't help me when I was sick. And they lived life of regret. Regret of the things they didn't do. Regret of the people they didn't help. Regret of the opportunities they didn't take advantage of. And so we need to be extremely careful that we take advantage and that we see with understanding the opportunities that are in front of us. And that we take seriously this responsibility that we are God's investment in the world. That God wants us to be the one to be salt and light. God wants us to be the one to, to lift the conversation. God wants us to be the one to help and to meet needs and step into the gaps for people. And we're, and we're going to be evaluated on these things based on what we believed about God. Now, because of what God has done for us, because he went all in on us, we have no other options. Man, we have this grace, this gift that we actually get rewarded for our belief in him that we actually get to take steps to follow him, that he has given us this, this grace, he's given us this dignity to be people who can live on purpose. You know, there's a, one of my favorite quotes 
is, uh, that's outside the Bible is a guy named Jim Elliott, who was a missionary who was martyred for his faith. And he said, he is no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. He's no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain a reward that he can't lose. Hey, listen, this is why people sell houses and downsize and give money to help others. This is why people will adopt children or foster children because they know they're kids without a home. And this is why people will leverage their influence to see others come to know Christ. It's why people who have an empty room will let someone stay with them or an extra car will give it away. It's so counterintuitive and it's not what we expect at all. But this is why people live differently who follow King Jesus because he's given us everything. And the results that we have in life ultimately turn into our reward. It ultimately turns into our reward. So you have to ask yourself like, hey, what kind of results is God getting on his investment in me? Let's pray together. So as we just take a minute just to evaluate our lives, just to think through the time that we have, the money that we've been given, the opportunities that we have, the people in our lives. Man, have we been good stewards of those? Like, have we, are we seeing the results that God wants for us? Or have we just been so busy living life on our own that we just look back over just a life littered with regrets? Regrets of things we didn't do, regrets of how we treated people, regrets of opportunities that we missed. Man, regrets over... Um, relationships that were broken and regrets over not stepping in to help people when we could have. And so maybe that's you today, just these regrets that you have. Man, and God just wants you to know, man, he is so good. He's a God of second chances. He's a God who lets us in. He's a God who gives us direction. He's a God who gives us opportunity. He's a God who gives us dignity today. And it may be that you've just been trying to survive to get through all that we've been through in the last months. Man, you're just trying to keep your head above water. And God says, I have more for you than that. Man, God says, I want you to be able to impact people. I want you to live a life on purpose. I want you to have contentment. I want you to have satisfaction. You know, it may be that you've never decided to, make, to, to follow Jesus. Like that, that's been the miss for you. That's been the gap for you. You've never taken a step just to follow Jesus, to say, I'm going to follow him. I'm tired of living for my own comfort. I'm try, tired of trying to achieve and live up to my potential. I'm just going to step into the purposes of God. And the first step that you do is what we talked about at the beginning. You just accept the grace of God today. And quit trying. Just accept the fact that he died for you, that Jesus came, that we would have life and he's forgiven us of our sins. Just accept this and begin to follow him. And the way that we do that, just in these moments, is first just to evaluate your life and say, am I following him? And if you're not, it's just this opportunity you have just to commit your life in this moment to follow Jesus. And we do that through what we call prayer, just talking to God. Say, dear God, I just trust that Jesus came to give me salvation. He came to forgive me of my sins. And I want my life to count for him. And the Bible says that when you make that commitment to pray, you make that commitment to follow him, that, that God immediately comes into your life. God immediately begins to change you from the inside out. Your desires are different. What you want is different. Your goals are different. And your results are different. 
God, I pray that we'd always be a church that helps people just live the life you've called us to live, that we would take seriously the commands of the Bible and that we would love one another, that we'd be a people who are salt and light, that we'd be a people who followed you, that we'd be a people that our faith was evidenced by our actions. God, I want to take just a minute just to pray for our country. Lord, and as we've just gone through these last few days and what certainly will be a tumultuous next week's maybe months. But God, we know that, man, you're watching us. God, we know that you want us to respond in a way that brings you glory, in a way that's full of grace, in a way that brings light to people, in a way that's healthy, in a way that's hopeful. And God, that we would be those people. God, that we would never compromise the standards that you've given us to live up to. But Lord, we just pray over our country. And Lord, for our what seems to be our president-elect, Joe Biden. God, you command us to pray for him, so I pray for him now. And God, I trust that you're gonna work through him for our good. God, that your kingdom is gonna expand because of your work during this election season. God, that we're gonna see life differently. We're gonna act differently. We're gonna take the responsibility you've given us differently. God, that you have results you wanna see from our lives. And we're not responsible for what happens in Washington. We're not responsible for what happens in Atlanta. We're responsible for what happens in our own lives. And God, that we would take that seriously today. And we just pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.